Podcast. I am one of the few people who think the Patriots are actually going to be really good this year. Let's go! Oh, God. It's me. It's Kevin Wilder. Shocker! Surprise! All right, welcome in to another episode of the R. Bill Simmons podcast. And we had a ton to talk about in our last ep. We got a ton to talk about this episode, and we needed to bring back somebody who, we're going to get into it, has called the ringers focus on video. I've been tweeting about it. I'm glad to have the man back. Here he is, Zach. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, man. Um, I'm happy to be back on here. I thought our first episode was awesome, and I'm really happy with the reception it got. I was I was surprised on how positive the reception was and how many people agreed and noticed the same things that I've noticed. And I don't even think I covered what I really wanted to cover on the first time. So I'm happy to be back. Yeah. So for context, if you guys didn't listen to the first episode, I mean, how dare you, first of all. But we talked a lot about the the Ringer and Bill's strategy in terms of growing the podcast, doing video. And I would say it, everything in that podcast has pretty much been completely vindicated, including multiple things that Bill and the Ringer are now doing that they weren't doing before that podcast. So, you know, is it a coincidence? Did somebody get the pod? Who the heck knows? We're going to get into it. So if, if you're interested in that, this is going to be just a deep dive into all that stuff. So I'm really looking forward to this. But first off, you did want to mention uh, the Ringer Union and have some comments on that. I do. I mean, I obviously I love your pod tribe and I love coming on here and I love talking about Bill and what they're doing right and what they're not, what he's not doing right and what the Ringer is doing wrong. But none of this all matters. None of this entertainment matters. And like I love listening to Ryan and Bill. But none of this matters if the Ringer Union doesn't have their contract and if these independent workers and these freelance workers and these writers and these editors and these designers and everything in between. If they're not getting paid, like I don't know what we're doing here talking about this. And some of the stories you see on Twitter about interns getting paid more than full-time employees or just there's a lot in those replies on the Ringer Union suites. And I don't want to do this whole two-hour pod without bringing it up. So that's that's all I have to say. Love it. And, and you've got experience and perspective and context here because you do some of that work. Um, I do. So you, you know this. I do. I mean, I've done all this. I'm still only 21, but I've done all this work to get myself in a position where I could work for a company like the ringer, not the ringer actually, but you know, a company that would treat these workers. Okay. And I do the work that I do a lot of the work that would be performed by a lot of ringer employees. So I, I, I feel their pain. Gotcha. And yeah, so what I think I'm going to do, I'll probably do a ringer union specific episode because I do think the, uh, the listeners are out there. They're craving it. They want to break down. So I think that's going to happen um shortly i've done some research on it so i'll save that for a future ep but um certainly i hear you guys out there you want a breakdown and we're going to do it because because it deserves it and there's some funny bill simmons clips from years ago um that i'm going to play on that up but let's focus here on the current ringer 2024 and what changes they're making 
So I'm thinking maybe we start with the shorts, right? Because that that's taken the Bill Simmons fanhood by storm. 2024 begins. Bill starts the walk and talk. And man, this he's doing, I don't know, one a day, five every five every week. I mean, this is this is huge. We've never seen this before. Um, this is completely new. And so what is uh, your take on this? And do you feel like you have influenced Bill with this because of your critique of the ringer not embracing short form video in our previous podcast? Okay, so yeah, I have a, a lot of reactions to this, but the main thing is I don't think that Bill listened to our pod and was like, "Oh, I, I got, I gotta do this." Like, I, I am I not. He, I think he did. I, I, I'm, I'm happy you say that, and I'm happy there are other people that also believe that. But I just can't, I can't like bring myself and like say, "Oh yeah, he definitely that was me. That was all me, guys." Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna take credit for that. But I'm happy he did it. I'm very happy he did it. And I'm here, so I'll say this: the the walk and talk shorts that he's doing. They're a great step in the right direction. They're, they're something he's never done before. And listen, they're, they're entertaining. Like, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy listening to them. And others do as well, others in this community. But there's, again, they're just a step. They are, there's so much more to be done on the Bill video side, on the Bill short form video side. We're going to talk about this later, but video and short form video are very, very different things. And there are different kinds of ways to aggregate podcasts and to break down podcasts and to promote your podcasts. And these walk and talk shorts are something. They're definitely something he wasn't doing before, but it doesn't mean there's not a lot he can still be doing that he's not doing right now. Yeah, they're they're a nice intro, and and I think you're you have commented about his posting style of them. He should be posting it differently. Yes. Yeah, so this gets into a larger discussion also about. I'll, I'll talk about the the short form stuff first. So when I, when I use the words like short form content, I'm talking about thirty second. 60 second, 90 second, up to like 120 seconds, sometimes a little bit north of that. But th those type of videos, almost always they're vertical. They're like, you know, made for the iPhone, made for your cell phone. And in Bill's case, they're always, or most of the time, going to be podcast clips and you occasionally get your walk and talks from Bill. But that is the short form content I'm talking about. That's very different from putting your full pod on YouTube or doing a 10 minute YouTube clip or 20 minute YouTube clip. That's a whole other discussion that Bill also could use some work on but for now if you want to talk about the short form content and i've noticed that when bill is posting and uploading these videos he doesn't really get the purpose of this and the beauty of these like iphone centric short form content videos is that you can deploy them on multiple platforms and they're going to perform really really well on all of them and they're very different from tweets or from instagram posts like static instagram posts at least because these are going to go into the algorithm and they're going to get scanned by all these advanced data technology all that stuff that i don't truly understand yet but they're going to get sent to people who might not follow bill who might not have ever seen bill but might be interested in him because they have so much data about all these people and what people like to consume and what you've previously disliked and liked and engaged with and stuff that these algorithms will find consumers for bill they're not bill doesn't have to do any promotion these algorithms do that for you and that's why on tiktok you can open an account with zero followers and if your content's good enough, it, there's a good chance it'll go viral. It can get seen by a lot of people if it's engaging enough, if it's good enough, and it passes the algorithm, and you get a little lucky. And this brings me to where Bill is uploading his stuff. So what Bill really should be doing with these walk and talk videos and with all his other short form content that he doesn't really do, but if he did more of it, what he should be doing is posting the video itself on TikTok, posting it on Reels, posting it on YouTube Shorts, posting the video itself on Twitter, which it isn't the best place, but it certainly is better than posting the link to a YouTube short. Yeah. Because what he thinks he's doing 
he thinks he's like, oh, if I just post the link to my YouTube short on Twitter, everybody's going to come subscribe to me. Like that's what, that's probably what, I mean, it makes sense. That is the, the logic that was in place for a long time on social media. Like, you know, you post a link to one and the other people will come over from another, but that's, that's not really how it works anymore. And Bill is going to have a lot more success just posting the video itself on Twitter where people can engage and people are going to watch it right away from their timeline instead of having to click a link and go to the YouTube, which I promise you, nobody is doing like nobody is seeing your YouTube shorts link and leaving Twitter to go watch Bill. Like it sounds like, it sounds like silly stuff and it's only like microseconds of timing, but nobody's clicking your link and going to shorts. People are going to watch it if you just post the video on Twitter or whatever platform you're, you're doing it on. So I applaud Bill for starting the shorts because he's posting them on YouTube. And I'm sure the shorts themselves have led to more YouTube subscribers just because people are going to discover his channel through the short for the first time. So props to him for that. Props to him for sometimes he even puts them on Instagram. The same goes for that. People are going to discover Bill's Instagram through those reels. And, uh, that's good, but when you're posting links on Twitter to shorts, you're not really accomplishing anything and kind of just making yourself look a little outdated. So, yeah. So, a couple comments. He has added some YouTube subs. I think I just looked now. It's one twenty three thousand, one twenty three, and I think it was more like one ten, maybe mm -hmm. prior to the shorts at the beginning of the year. So that is a positive if I have those numbers right. But to your point, let's look on TikTok. No, no videos of these shorts to be seen. You've basically got BS story time. There's a couple of them. There's a, and those aren't the walk and talk. So yeah. So, so the, I will say it, the walk and talks might be on the ringer TikTok. I may have seen one on there. I can't promise that, but it, even though they're not on bill, that's enough. Like they really should be on bill's account. Like they're, but I'll give some credit. They could be on the ringer account. I'm not going to open my phone and blast TikTok audio, but they could be on the ringer TikTok. I mean, I didn't even know they had a uh, the Ringer TikTok. Do they even have they have a Ringer TikTok? I believe so. I know Rusillo does because I frequently get the Rusillo clips on my for you, and I'm not sure if they come from Ringer or if they come from the Rusillo account. I haven't taken the time to look. I should, but yeah. So you're basically saying that it's a good first step these walk and talks, but they need to be posted on more accounts, and they need to be posted actually inside the app of Twitter and not the link. So, so that makes sense. And so the second step here would be, and we can get into kind of what he needs to do to, you know, he, he's done the first part. Now, now we need to go to the second. You're thinking that he gets, he has to get the new camera, which he did. And that was something else that you can go back. I, in, I have a tweet of audio clipped from our last podcast where you specifically said it was crazy that the ringer wasn't invested in these high high resolution cameras. Bill was on zoom cameras looking terrible. Why, why would anybody not put in the resources to make this a better product? And what do you know, a couple of days ago, he debuts a new camera. So I think what you're saying is, okay, he's got the new camera. He's starting to do the shorts. The next step is to get clips, video clips from the podcast and start getting a bunch of those per podcast and sending those videos out. Yes. So this is the other half of this of this pizza over here, whatever this is. And I I wouldn't be surprised if this has to do with the Ringer Union because this is something that Bill himself is not doing. This is something that requires a full-time employee. This is something that requires a, a team of full-time employees would be better. You just need people to listen to each pod, write down your timestamps, go get the clips, and then 
posting the clips is one thing, but before you do that, there's a way to edit these clips in a fashion where you add captions, you cut out the parts where he's breathing. So like the clip will move faster. People can consume it faster. You cut out parts where he's talking about stuff that's irrelevant and you, there's a way to organize these clips. You add pop-up visuals, you add all these overstimulating aspects to the video to maintain the viewer's attention. And it sounds like small stuff, but it really does go a long way in these algorithms you talked about before. And the algorithms will detect that type of stuff. And they'll realize that people are way more engaged with this content than they would be a walk and talk short that doesn't have anything on it. You know what I mean? And again, that's not something Bill can do. Bill has a, a family. Bill has a job. Bill has other things to do. So you need to hire somebody who is a full-time clip aggregator for Bill. And sh they should be posting. Like Those pods are long enough where you can post three or four, maybe five different clips from each episode. And he does three episodes a week sometimes. Like There's a lot to, of content to be made. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you start doing three, four, five clips of each episode, those TikTok numbers, those Reels numbers, those YouTube Shorts numbers, all you post it everywhere. Even your Twitter numbers will all go up. And it's like you mentioned it earlier, but the equivalent of this, like all of Bill's competitors and especially the Wave Entertainment pods, like the, we mentioned this on the last episode, but Kelsey Pod, Carmelo Anthony's Pod, and a lot of the other big podcasts now are all under this company called Wave Entertainment. And it's not just Wave who's doing this. There are other big podcast producers, but you they are the gold standard for this sort of short form reproduction, repurposing, re-aggregating really. And they have the captions on point. They have like the pop-up videos on point. They have all sorts of all of that. The whole formula really is like what they have. And it's very easy to emulate. You just watch what they're doing. You can see like their videos are going on Twitter. You can go watch the same ones on TikTok, the same ones on Reels, the same ones on everywhere else that I haven't even mentioned. So it's just funny that all these other companies are doing it and except for the ringer. So yeah, a couple things to respond to with that. I think number one, yeah, when you when you say that, immediately what comes to mind is the Kelsey podcast. Yeah, and look, obviously it's working because this is the number one podcast in sports. It has surpassed Bill Simmons and even part of my take. So yeah, I should have I should have mentioned part of my take because their short form contents also like they have the formula. They have it's not I wouldn't say it's as perfect as Wave Entertainment, but it's really damn good and it's way better than whatever the Ringer has. So. Yeah, interesting. And and they are higher than than Bill in, in the podcast rankings. And then the the other thing with Bill is okay, so he he's doing these podcasts where I mean, he they're an hour 40, they're 2 hours, he's saying outrageous things. So if you combined someone going through this pod and then a little bit of a self-awareness and the ability to laugh at yourself, some of these statements by Bill could just the, the virality of these clips would be incredible. Bill doing some wonky ranking of a player that people either can completely laugh at because it's absurd or they say, oh, he's just a homer or something or Bill pitching this like ridiculous fake trade. Those could be hilarious viral clips or e even let's think about this. Go back. I mean, now you wouldn't necessarily want to do it as much with um, the bad video, but let's say Bill didn't he basically quote predict a trade that happened with the Knicks, but in reality, you probably heard about it first. The clips he, yeah, he had the framework, he had the rough framework, right? Yeah, yeah. So he probably he probably heard it from uh, from his NBA circles, and then kind of said, "Oh, this is this is an interesting fake trade." But yeah, those those are the sort of things that you're you're already talking for an hour and forty five on these pods. There is absolutely going to be some content that could go viral. Absolutely. Yeah. 
he's also got multiple guests on for most episodes. Like it's not always one two hour pod about the same thing. It's actually never one two hour pod about the same thing. And you, that makes it even easier because you have totally different categories, totally different guests to showcase on your short form. But he just doesn't do it. And I really I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have the manpower, don't have the labor, don't have the people on staff to facilitate this. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that, uh, so Derek Thompson, we're going to talk about that pod later, do some uh, Bill Simmons current events, so stick around for that if you've listened and want to hear more about it, but when you just said that, I was thinking, man, some of the conversations that Bill has with Derek Thompson, I, I know for a fact, those get tons of play on Twitter, people really want to talk about those, and they get tons of play in the Simmons subreddit, so you're telling me, like, like, a 30-second clip with Simmons and Derek Thompson talking about something, you know, it's interesting, but it's a little wonky-ish. It's a little Gladwell-ish, right? You kind of th- throw it out there. Uh, Derek Thompson's been described as maybe like the millennial Gladwell, maybe with a little bit of Klosterman thrown in. So you have a clip like that. That's absolutely going to go viral. And then that benefits Bill multiple ways because people are completely new to, to Bill but that uh, kind of have the algo for maybe more of the Derek Thompson type stuff. So that's great for Bill. And that's also great to promote Derek Thompson's podcast, which is on the ringer. So it's just, it's just a win-win if you put in the effort. Yeah. I'm also, I want to cut even deeper with this and say that even if Bill was talking about nothing, like even if Bill was just giving us the worst bill, you know, of what you say, max contract bill, whatever you like to say, like, yeah, we got, like if we got, podcast. yeah, whatever you say, like if we got the worst bill, it doesn't even matter because if you've got that high res camera, you've got the microphone in the clip, you've got the captions popping up, you've got those engaging pop-up visuals, photos, GIFs, video, all that stuff. Bill could talk about anything and it'll work in the, in the algorithm. People will, there's an, like an intrinsic value to seeing that setup, to seeing that production value on TikTok. Like if I'm scrolling on TikTok and, you know, random clips are coming up, people that I've never seen before. When I see someone with that HD camera, when I see someone with the mic in the frame, with the captions popping up, with the pictures, you know, all that stuff I keep mentioning. That's why I'm going to watch. I'm going to be like, oh, this is intriguing. This person might know what they're talking about. This person might have some credibility. This person might be worth staying 60 seconds for. So that's like, it doesn't, Bill doesn't even need to say anything. Like once you start doing that level of production and we start doing it regularly, the algorithms do the work for you. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, I was thinking back to like the height, the, the Kelsey podcast. And then I'm thinking, man, you know, what would be a great TikTok vid is you get Bill with the high res cam, you get Sal with the high res cam. <laughs> And then you just go back and forth on like the best line of the day, right? You get a 30 yeah, second I mean, clip on the, the Sunday night matchup of week 13. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, whatever the, the top teams would be. Right. And then it's like, Oh damn, that's fascinating. And yeah, some of us will have already listened to the pod, but you play, you play that on TikTok Monday night and you go, damn, I want to go listen to the rest of this pod. But that back and forth would be such a great format for TikTok. Yeah, and like you say, like, oh, I want to go listen to the rest of this pop. That's like the dream scenario for when you when some like a random person stumbles upon Bill or stumbles upon the ringer. The more realistic thing is if this person, all the person has to do is stay for 30 seconds instead of just swiping away after one second. They mm. don't have to follow, they don't have to like, they don't have to do they don't have to engage. TikTok knows that they stayed for 30 seconds and that their attention was caught somehow. You know what I mean? Like TikTok knows that. And what they'll do is a week later. 
Bill Simmons posts another clip, that person is going to get shown that Bill Simmons clip first before anybody else gets shown that clip. If it's like goes viral or something like that. So the engagement, like you mentioned, of somebody coming to the pod, somebody following the ringer, those are best case scenarios, but there's, there's low hanging fruit here. All you got to do is get somebody to stay 20 seconds. Yeah. And, and like, like you said, even if it's not the greatest bill content, they can, they can spruce it up. Okay. So now shifting a little bit to more the YouTube angle. So this has been something that has also increased since we talked now to be totally fair. We talked late December and everybody, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. And we talked about a lot of this stuff, but JJ Reddick did have the I don't even think it was a call out of Bill. I mean, Bill did take it personally. And I said he lashed out at JJ. But Bill had a tweet where he he wasn't that happy with JJ saying that the ringer, the, the ringer did not take video seriously. But maybe that stuck in Bill's craw for a bit. And now he's saying, wow, like I'm going to prove JJ wrong. You know, again, maybe he listened to the pod. Who knows? But what we have seen, what the facts are, is that there's been an increase in YouTube, not just Bill Simmons, but also The Ringer, including new YouTube channels. Yes, I have seen it. And again, a great step in the right direction. Um, you did mention like there's been more YouTube content. I I really haven't noticed an uptick in like the video count. I just went to their channel a second ago. Their last video is two days ago. Like they, the fact that they're not uploading daily is is beyond me. Like they had produced so much content where they should be uploading multiple times daily. And like I'm looking here, two days ago, two days ago are the last two videos, and then it's four days ago, and then it's six days ago, and then it's eight days ago. So and it's how really many podcasts like do they have. Come yeah, on. they have like eight million podcasts. They've got all sorts of different ways that they produce content, and like the YouTube is just pretty sparse. And that so like I'll get into this algorithm talk again, but. The YouTube shorts algorithm and then the YouTube video, like the main the YouTube we all know and love, like that algorithm is different. Both of them are very successful at finding new people for you. Both of them are very successful at measuring engagement. Both of them are very successful at measuring how long you stay, where you're clicking, how often you're clicking, how clicking, how often you're pausing and rewinding and going forward and where you're pausing and all that stuff. So Bill, like I I, mean, I said this all, it all applies to, to really both mediums, but just post more on here, put a little bit more sweat into the production and the growth will come naturally. These, these algorithms do the work for you. And luckily like the ringer has some really talented on mic personalities. It's not just bill. It's Russillo, all the guy, Derek Thompson, who was, was awesome. Like it's very easy for them to do this. I don't, I just, it really, it, it's baffling to me that they don't do this. And uh, yeah, I can say it 10 more times. Yeah. I think um, what, you know, everybody who listens to this podcast knows that, I'm very, well, very critical. I don't know if I should say that, but I, I've been known to be critical of a variety of things Bill Simmons is doing in 2024. Obviously, the guy has an incredible career. He's, the, I've said previously, he's the GOAT of multiple forms. But yeah, as, as you're you're saying this and I'm thinking more, I'm going, all right, what, what do I personally think have been some of his accomplishments at the ringer? The Derek Thompson pod and the Matt Bellany, the town pod. Let's get those on video, man. Let send some high res cameras to Derek, to Matt Bellany, to Lucas Shaw, who's always on Mondays. He's a guy from Bloomberg. Get that going, and you know people might even watch those podcasts on YouTube instead. They will. They will. They will. And so that Absolutely kind of leads will. into your next point, which is that you think they could put longer, you the kind of you said Rogan style clips 
of length on YouTube. Yeah, I, I call them Rogan style clips because he he really is like the one that pioneered this form of content. And it's the reason a lot of people my age have discovered Joe Rogan in the first place. Look, I'm not an active Rogan listener. I don't go look and see who he's brought on. But, you know, once in a while he does have on a cool guest. He's a pretty good interviewer, so I might as well listen and watch a clip here and there. But Rogan does for every single episode. And obviously, it's not Joe himself who's crunching this video, but his channel is putting up. I'm going to open it up right now, but they post three, four clips for every single episode. And Joe is recording more than Bill. Joe's, Joe does like four episodes a week, three episodes a week regularly. So you look at their channel, like they've got a video today. And then they did the last episode. Last episode had three clips. Episode before had two. Episode before had two. So two, three clips. It's way more than what Bill is doing for his episodes. The thumbnails look really good. They're engaging. And it's no surprise that he has 16 million subscribers on YouTube. He's been doing this for Ooh, years. Man. And it's like, I'm telling you this, Joe Rogan's not going on Twitter and tweeting, subscribe to my YouTube channel. <laughs> like it, it, it works for it. It does. It does the work. I'm sorry. The work like rewards itself with these algorithms. So. Yeah, that's wild. And, and I think what's interesting now is look, we we've got Bill Simmons head of podcast monetization and innovation at Spotify Nobody actually knows what he's doing, but at least he has those titles. But okay, so that's so that's area one. We don't know exactly what he's doing, but we have this new Joe Rogan contract, and highlighted in that contract, at least by the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if there is an official thing from Spotify saying this, but Wall Street Journal specifically, when they broke the news, they said they're gonna Spotify is gonna be helping Rogan with ads on YouTube. So clearly they are seeing Spotify is that YouTube. It's additive to the platform. Yes, and it absolutely, absolutely is. is. Yeah. And so maybe Bill is finally realizing this after years and years. Yes. Not only is YouTube additive, but all, all of these, I keep, I'll say the list again, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter itself. Also, there are other, even like Instagram threads, which like people use, I promise. Even like the Facebook videos where they're also fed in from Instagram because it's all meta, but they all feed into each other. They're all additive. People will find you and then they'll see you somewhere else and, all this data is tracked. These these companies, these big data companies have all the information about you and they know who you're consuming and where you're consuming their content from. So, yeah, it's no surprise that that I mean, I'm very happy. I'm not surprised for that deal between Rogan and Spotify where he can post his content everywhere else now. Yeah. And, and this also has me thinking, too, because I, I always like to talk about the what is the, the true Spotify strategy here? And I think that. If you're a talent out there, either you're currently at The Ringer or you're looking for a new podcasting home, wouldn't you want to go to a place that is promoting your work effectively? Because I had this conversation with some, with our guest on the last podcast where we were debating and discussing, has Mark Titus's move been a good one to Barstool? And the guest was saying that we we're not totally sure because Titus has complained a lot about his pods not being marketed as effectively as maybe he thought. And, but that kind of, if you're at the ringer, you're going, man, you know, I, I have, what, what am I bringing to this? I'm bringing creativity. I'm bringing my own personal uh, followers from Instagram, from Twitter and whatnot. But the ringer YouTube channel is posting one video every two days. I don't have a feed <laughs> for my own show. I don't have the high-res cameras to build up a YouTube channel. So I'm not getting the benefit. Whereas if I go to some other podcasting company or I go to the, the Wave Sports or whatever, whatever I do, 
I'm getting a lot more benefit being there. So this is to me, this is not only a a Bill Simmons growth venture for himself and the current ringer in general. It's improving the ringer as a home for talent for the foreseeable future. And I think that would be beneficial, too. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. Like, it's not an appealing destination for like a freelance creator, an independent creator to come over. You want somewhere where your work is going to be distributed at like a high level and at a professional level, really. And how many pods does the ringer have? 80 is the number. Is that the real number? I know you talked about it on a recent episode. It's like 70 to 90, I think, is the number. Yeah. If you were like a blind ringer subscriber on YouTube, you would know about four of them, maybe three or four of them. Like, you would probably know about the mismatch, Bill, Rusillo. The Ringer NBA show and maybe the Ringer NFL show. Like maybe you could maybe you know about that, but that's that's a big issue. Like there are a lot of other pods that they could be aggregating, they could be reproducing and re uh redistributing, and they're just not doing it. So yeah, and, and I think the clear example of this is just look at JJ Reddick. I mean, that that's all you need to do. I know it's topical because of JJ kind of saying the ringer didn't take video seriously, but the <laughs> the ringer's top videos are still JJ from years ago. And as soon as JJ left and went out on his own, his videos started crushing it. So I think that's um, that's clearly something that's worked. And also, I think on JJ, he he has some videos sometimes where he does laugh at himself. And I, I just truly think that Bill, um, like if Bill let his video editors have some fun, that would go a long way to making some of these clips viral. And so, you know, whether he would do that or not, who knows, but all you got to do is you hire somebody creative, you let them go to town on the top pods, and hopefully they crush it for you. Yeah. I mean, can I just tell you some numbers about the JJ Reddick YouTube channel? Absolutely. So I don't, I wish that the other on Twitter shows you like what year your account was created, but I can tell you that JJ's old man on the three account, when do you think it was created? It can't be, it can't be more than five years old, right? When did he retire from the NBA? No, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it was 2020 because he left the ring yeah. in 2020. Okay, so it's probably four years old. That's I was giving him five generously. <laughs> JJ has over a million subscribers. He just passed a million pretty recently. Uh, the Ringer, which has existed for probably three times as long as JJ's channel, has 400,000. So JJ has not only doubled the Ringer's subscribers, but he has way north of double already. And I was just looking through his videos. Look, I, I'm not an active JJ guy. I said that earlier, but. He's got eight-minute clips on here. He's got seven-minute clips, five-minute clips. He's got a 36-minute segment on here. You know, that's just like one segment of a podcast. And then he's also got an entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. So you want to consume JJ in five-minute clips? I'm sure he's got shorts on here too. Look, I'll click on shorts right now. I wish I could show my screen. Yep, he's got hundreds of shorts that all have the captions. They all have these close-up, high-res cameras, well-lit studios. And like this is just how it should be done. And it's no surprise that his numbers, his subscriber counts, his view counts are all way higher than the ringers. And again, the same goes for PMT. The same goes for all the wave podcasts. The same goes for probably your other favorite podcasts. All of them are doing this. Well, and let, let's examine this. We have JJ Reddick doing two shows a week, I think, because he has other commitments, including calling NBA games and now being on first take again, which which we'll get to later because that was a funny <laughs> comment. The anchor, the anchor of first take now, apparently. Yeah, that's a funny comment today. Um, but this is this is one guy versus the ringer. That's it okay. If they have 50 shows, if they have 70 shows, I mean you're you're telling me that the ringer YouTube channel can't curate 
you know, and it doesn't clearly there, you know, if, if, if the ringer has 30 podcast episodes dropping a day, we don't need 30 videos, get somebody, get a team, get the best of, and just use that. And I'm sure there's going to be interesting stuff, right? The ringer's doing, they do prestige TV pods. So they're talking true detective. I mean, that with true detective was all over the internet on Monday and Tuesday. That's all everybody was talking about. Throw, throw some clips from that prestige TV pod out. Those would do huge numbers for the Ringer YouTube channel. I mean, uh, how, how could it not? Yeah, I, I wish I did this before the pod, but as you were saying all that, I just wanted to look at the, you can sort, sorry, you can sort shorts by most popular and you can view the most popular YouTube shorts on a, on a channel. And I was just curious. So I went to JJ's channel and I looked at assorted by most popular. This guy has 10, 15, yeah, oh, 15 to 20 videos that are over a million views, which is nuts. Like that's, mm -hmm. that means like the video broke through the algorithm. It broke through his subscribers and it went to people who have never seen JJ's YouTube before, may not have ever seen JJ before on a mic. And he's got over 20 of those videos. So then I went to the Ringer's YouTube channel to see how many million view shorts do they have? And I actually realized that their most popular YouTube short of all time on the Ringer channel is a WWE superstar doing some sort of interview. I am not going to click on it. It's uh, Rhea Ripley, who's awesome right now. That video has 66,000 views. So not even 10% of, of a million on there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise. Like there's nothing going on on this YouTube channel at all. No. And then and then we can also do, um, because McAfee's been in the news, go to McAfee's channel. 2.5 oh, million subs. I mean, that's that's doing great. And again, this is this also is way guy. way newer than the ringer. Also, like years way newer. newer. One guy. The, the, I mean, these these clips are consistently getting over a hundred thousand views. I mean, <laughs> and and yeah, like to your to your point, I, I think you, you've made such a good point here. We got a thirty-seven minute clip. We got a seventeen minute. We got a four minute. I mean, these the yeah you vary the clips because they're going to appeal to different people's algorithms. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, okay. So then another area we wanted to touch on staying on the video theme, increased YouTube promotion during pods. Yeah, that was one thing I, I don't, I didn't want to focus on it, but I did notice that Bill has started to mention the YouTube channel on the pod finally like he mentions he always does the promo for rewatchables he always does the promo for you know whatever hotels.com or airbnb sometimes on the same pod but he finally brought up the youtube channel he's like oh we've got channels for ringer nba we've got channels for ringer nfl and we've got the bill channel and we've got all this and i mean i've listened to bill for a few years now and that's the first time i heard him bring him up bring it up so maybe it was jj maybe it was us maybe it was i don't know his the voices or something but he he, he noticed Look, I'm gonna say it's us. You don't have to say it's you. I'm gonna <laughs> it's not say, me. I'm gonna say it was you. Um, I ha I have had this debate with some people. I, I had this um I had this debate with somebody who's been on the pod before. They thought it was J they thought it was JJ, and I'm like, look, man, I sent him the clips. I'm like, I think it was the bot. <laughs> Maybe it's both. Maybe he saw everything, and he was like, you know what, something's gotta change. Yeah. Um. All right, so do we um do we need to do any more on video or should we transition to uh, social media here? I think we should we should transition to social media and I'm glad to because it's very adjacent to video and I'm glad we got the video out of the way because that's half of the social media thing, but there's a whole other half that we have to get into. 
Okay, and then so so maybe let's preface this, and maybe I'll do the intro, and you can expand a little bit more. But like, you are someone who, based on your background and what you're currently doing, you have very keen insight into this. So can you maybe give again? And I don't know if you went into it too in depth last pod, but just give a brief overview of what you're currently doing and why you have this insight before breaking down the ringers uh, situation. Yes. So I am a senior at NYU in uh, lower Manhattan, obviously, and I study media, I study communications, and I've been working in the digital content scene for uh, two and a half, three years now, or as long as I've really been in college, I've long time been a consumer. But once I got to college, I kind of started, hey, how can I get involved? How can I really learn? How can I get working in this industry? And now I work for the Strickland, which is a big Twitter NBA Knicks presence. And we have a site, a podcast network, Instagram account, Twitter account, and we post all sorts of Knicks content. You could you could call us like the ringer, but 200 times smaller, and we don't treat our employees like shit, and we only talk about the Knicks. So <laughs> that's the, I guess that's the Strickland. I also do work for SNY, which is the, the Mets broadcast partner. I really just do freelance design for them, though. Obviously, I get to see the social strategy, though, and I get to talk with a lot of brilliant people about social media, and I've learned so much just being around the SNY team and learning how they operate their social media. I also work with NYU's athletics department. So all of our sports teams, it's division three, but it is like, Hey, I will say we have the best division three programs in all of division three. So all of that social media, I work with that team. I do graphics for them. I do all sorts of social strategy stuff for them. And there are a couple other stops along the way that I don't want to get too detailed in, but I, for a 21 year old, have enough experience in this digital content scene to evaluate what Bill and the ringer are doing. Nice. I love that. Br- briefly before you um, go into it. Yeah, I, I looked at NYU for school. I didn't end up going there. But um, yeah, I remember the sports. Is it? Um, yeah. So how are the how are the teams doing? OK, so I'm gl- I'm really glad you asked because right now we're in the heat of like winter sports season, you know, late in the basketball season. Our women's team, number one in D3, currently wow. un- currently undefeated, 24 and 0, <laughs> looking to go 25 and 0 this Saturday, I believe, on the road. So I won't be able to go to that game. The reason they're 25 and 0, also the men's team, they're not 25 and 0, but they're also top 15 in D3, I think. So there you go. But the reason they have this, this renaissance of NYU athletics is we finally opened a brand new state-of-the-art billion-dollar athletic facility in right on Houston Street in Manhattan. And it's beautiful, that building. It's got like four basketball courts, 3,000 seats, and it's it's stunning. And it's a very, very appealing destination for somebody who wants to pursue a high education and also play sports while there. Who's your uh, biggest rival? Biggest rival. So we're in the UAA, which is like a smaller conference in E3. It's a lot of schools that are very academically rigorous and also take their sports seriously. Biggest UAA rival, U Chicago is right there. Case nice. Western is a big, big rival. Um, Wash U and St. Louis is there. Brandeis is there. Yeshiva. They're not in our uh, conference, but they're kind of off the street. So play them in a lot of sports. But yeah, those early ones I meant. I would probably say U Chicago. Damn. I love yeah. it. Well, good luck uh, for the women's team going undefeated here. Yep, and big big playoff coming up. That's more important. Love it. All right, so yeah, so Ringer Social Media, you, you have identified some key issues, uh, so why don't you get into it? Yes, so I'm glad we squared off the short-form stuff already. I mean, that's a huge piece of this. That is the growth generator on a lot of these apps. All content will produce growth if it's good. Like I'm These algorithms all work in the same fashion. Obviously, they do different things, and they prioritize different things, but all of them are going to reward engaging content. That's the bottom line of all these things. And I've been thinking a lot about this and I've been looking at what the ringer does and putting them in conversation with their rivals. And that can be PMT, 
That can be Barstool as an entire entity. That can be Bleacher Report. That can be The Score, which is another big Instagram presence. I don't know if you, that might be lesser known. You could even like put them in conversation with ESPN and SportsCenter because they're all do these these big entities. They're all doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they've all got podcasts. They've all covering sports. They're all they're all producing the same kind of content. Yes, it's not in the same manner. It's not in the same verbiage or whatever. But they're all doing the same thing. So I wanted to put them into context and just see what are they doing, what are they not doing, who's doing what, and who's doing it the best. And I mean, I've been doing this for years now, following these accounts and stealing in- information, not information, stealing inspiration from these accounts. Um, and I've noticed that these accounts, Bleacher Report, Barstool Sports, Sports that I'm, I would say the ESPN account, but the Sports Center account itself actually is the more active social media presence. So I'll say Sports Center. Those accounts are posting 20 times a day, different kinds of posts. There, I'm gonna actually let me find this list. I broke down like a a list of types of content that these accounts are posting. Very basic stuff here. We, we all consume it on the day to day. You're probably not consciously thinking like, oh, this is this type. But look, they've all got. I mean, this is the number one. I put this at the top of the list. You take a tweet, you screenshot the tweet, and you put the screenshot in front of another picture. It's very, mm-hmm. very easy. Classic. Easy. It's classic. It's classic. Everybody knows it. Yep. Yes. And baby use. I'm sorry. Let me take a sip of my water. One second. Yeah. When when you said that, I immediately was like, boom. That's that is that is the number one Instagram out there. Is the tweet with the picture in the background. 100%. Yes. And I'm sorry. I had to like just grab my water for a second. But that is like the number one thing. It's the easiest thing to do. And the most important thing is a lot of these companies will do tweet, photo, and then you can slide in the carousel to the clip, to a recent podcast clip, to a screenshot from an article that you recently published. You know, you can direct the attention to something else with the slide. And that's been like Bleacher Report's bread and butter. That's House of Highlights bread and butter, and especially on Instagram. And what they're doing now is if you, this is like some small shit, but if you were to post a video on Instagram, it's automatically going to go up as a reel and it's going to go into that reel algorithm. And those reels are a lot less time sensitive. So that reel might not pick up steam until tomorrow or the next day, or it might not pick up steam at all if nobody engages with it. What you can do to get those videos in the main feed, like the non reels Instagram feed is combine them with a photo and do one of those two slide carousels, which is why you're seeing, if you go to the Bleacher Report account, if you go to these big accounts, they're, feed will look like a lot of two two frames from the video and then they put a caption of what's going on in the video in the front and then you swipe to the video so house of highlights they've really uh blazed the trail on this like their entire feed is that it's two frames from the video one caption and then you swipe to actually see the video that is what the reason they're doing that is so those videos don't get put in the reels algorithm and they get put in the more time sensitive feed where you're seeing newer things and they're mixing more current the Ringer obviously is not doing anything close to this. They they don't aggregate news. They don't post clips from broadcasts. They don't even, I mean, posting clips from the pods is one, but they don't post clips from like anything really. They don't post memes. Like they're, if, you, if you're a Twitter scroller, like a lot of us are you're listening to this pod, you're probably online a, a good amount. Like we consume this content all day and we see it from other people. And it's very easy for The Ringer to do. I'm, I'm going to keep reading this list of forms I have. Quote graphics, very, very easy to do clips from games clips from old games like oh throwback throwback to this you know one year ago this happened or happy birthday to this athlete remember when he did this like those very easy things to do you also have like the question and response barstool loves doing this what they'll do is they'll 
make like some sort of elevated graphic with text that has a question on it. And I actually, I found one today. I have the example. Let me just pull this up. The question was, how much should you give for a wedding gift? And like, they have this decorated image with like a champagne glass and, you know, it's like a wedding at the image. And then when you swipe, you get a clip from their last podcast. I don't even know what this is. It's like the, the out and about podcast. Like, I don't, I don't listen to these Barstool pods, but Hey, that's how they're promoting these pods. And that Mm -hmm. post has how many likes? Let me see. 22,000 likes. And that was yesterday. So that's (laughs) 22,000 more people that aren't watching like Bill's pod. I mean, I mean, I can't say how many of them went and listened to that pod directly, but I'm sure people followed or liked or commented or just at least knew about the pod. So that's enough. Barstool has also pioneered the like in-office clips thing. And like, I'm not sure how much I love them doing this. And I'm not sure if this is something the Ringer would like to adapt. But a lot of the Barstool personalities will just go around the office with their phone out, point it at a coworker, and then ask them some stupid fucking question. And they'll get some response and like, boom, that's a short. They put captions on it, just like I mentioned earlier. Maybe they edit some brief parts out and that's content. Like right away, they go in the algorithm, it gets picked up. A lot of times it's the, uh, it's a uh, Frank the Tank, Frank Fleming. They love going up to him for content. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's Dave Portnoy in the content right away. They've got that kid, Tommy Smokes. I like that kid. He's got good energy. Uh, but yeah, they got all these people that do that. They do all these meme videos. They promote their merchandise. There's, there's a lot that they do. And if you look at the ringer feed, I mentioned these other accounts posting 20 times a day, 15 times a day. You'd be lucky to get a ringer post once a day. Like, like really it's like every two days, maybe you'd be, maybe you get one back to back post, but there's just nothing going on here. There's very, very few, or actually there's none. I'm looking recently. I see a lot of the bill walk and talks, but I don't see any bill pod clips. I, I mean, I just scrolled. the most recent one they posted was a, was two weeks ago. So that's a long time ago for this type of industry. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot they could be doing, and they're just not doing it. I mean that that is shocking how little they're posting, especially because so even if you didn't want to do any any you didn't want to do much of what you said just now, you still have all of your podcasts to take clips from. But of yes. course, they should be doing a lot more. And you know, I even think about it, and some people might be be laughing at this, but some people will will get what I'm saying. I'll listen to a Bill Simmons podcast and immediately I'll think of a meme. I post that in the Bill Simmons subreddit. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. But the point is, I don't think I have some special skill that is only I can think of a meme for the pod, right? So there's, there's memes out there, especially if you hired someone creatively who understands meme culture and can, can know that, Hey, like, you know, and, and again, it's what I talked about before. It's a funny meme, but with the ability to laugh at yourself a little bit when Bill's doing the live rewatchables tour, you talk about a video from that. You talk about laughs from that. That could easily be something. Um, I remember somebody, somebody in the subreddit posted that he was at one of the rewatchables and he was like, Bill and Chris Ryan went at it. Because Chris Ryan was making in in front of uh, the Jalen Brown contract, and Bill like snapped at him. And I think they—I don't know if it was because of what was said in the subreddit, but I think they clipped that on Twitter, like a couple days later. But that should have gone on Instagram, and that should have gone everywhere. Should have gone on every platform they have. Yeah, that's the sort of that's the sort of thing that they need to be taking more of, right? They should have had cameras and the live rewatchables. Um, for every live rewatchables and then you know you know how, how um 
on the last episode, the guy was saying that Mallory Rubin um, went on went on some uh, some talks about sex. Hey, throw that up there. Who cares if if you if that turns you off? Then after five seconds, you don't have to um, think about it. But that could be a viral video. So yeah, there, there's just so much content there, and and it's like this. You, you've got this amazing. It's like you've got this amazing draft of like a script, but yet they 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 don't want to chisel anything out to make a good movie out of it. They just leave it there. Yes, and. This is just I've, as you're talking, I'm scrolling through the ringers Instagram even more, noticing things I didn't notice earlier. But they are, they were, I'm sure they were all at All Star Weekend. Not Bill, but people went to All Star Weekend from the ringer that were there, and you would expect that they had a lot of content to be shared from All Star Weekend. And I was like, oh, let's see, let's see how much they got. And you know, there's this one video, a reel, and it's Giannis. That's like a, from courtside. It's Giannis walking up and shaking Oscar Robertson's hand. It's a good video, and for Bucks fans, or NBA fans, you see. It's like a legend embracing a current former player, a current player. And it has nothing to do with the ringer. It has nothing to do with a ringer pod. It has nothing to do with Bill. It has nothing to do with any of their shows. It's just NBA content. So that tells me that the ringer is willing to post this kind of ringer adjacent content. You know, this isn't, this isn't, I wouldn't call it. I mean, it is OC. Like they did record it themselves, but it isn't, it doesn't scream ringer at you. You know what I mean? So they're, if they're willing to post stuff like this, then why are they not willing to do more of it? Like, why are they not doing clips from games every night? Why are they not posting meme videos, highlight videos, throwback videos? If you're willing to do this, I don't know what's stopping them from doing the other stuff besides just neglect. Yeah, maybe they, it's it's not a directive for management. And yeah, I mean, look, I think off the top of my head, I think the people that are, that are directing the ringer are... Bill, Sean, Fennessy, Juliet Littman, Chris Ryan, and Mallory Rubin. I think all those are Gen X, maybe 40 at the youngest, but maybe in that 40 to 50 range. And that's just not the range of people that would understand the stuff that we're talking about on this podcast. So maybe it's just as simple as that. Maybe they feel like they they need a presence as a website and as a podcast, like we need to be on Instagram. We need to be on on Twitter and TikTok and all that, but they don't really know how to utilize the platforms yet. They just they've done the basic step step one, which is be on there, do a post a day, but they're clearly not doing what they need to do in order to to grow the brand immensely. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I don't think they've realized that like this is what gets you growth now. Like it's uh, years ago, you would pay for promotion and pay to get your brand out there. Now you you can do it for free if your content's good enough. Like these this these algorithms are so advanced and so magical that they will find the people for you. And it's not about just like being on Instagram to be here just to say that you have an Instagram. Like this is this is your advertising. This is like where your advertising budget should go. Like this is where it's all happening. Well, and the irony of this is that Bill he consistently talks about the NBA as they're in a great spot because they have a young fan base and you compare that to <laughs> <laughs> the MLB or even the uh, even the NFL, and that you know the, it's it's a much older demo watching them. Well, Bill, this is kind of th- what the Ringer is doing. You're not reaching the young sports fans, the young pop culture fans, where they're at. You're counting on people listening to your podcast. Now, I'm not going to say that the R. Bill Simmons podcast is a direct comparison for who's listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, but 
I will say that my podcast, which is getting people from Twitter and Reddit, so I don't necessarily, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that I'm targeting like an older demo. It's it's like 30 to 40 is the demo for who's listening to this podcast. So if we just tri- triangulate that and say maybe that's what people are listening to Bill, he might not be getting those 20 to 30-year-olds. And he would be doing a much better job at that if he embraced the stuff we're talking about. Yeah, I don't think he's like actively getting any age demographic. Like they all these people consume this type of content. Certainly young people consume it more and are capable of consuming more because they were raised on these devices and their like their dopamine receptors are already fried to a level where they need this type of content. Like I find myself mindlessly scrolling TikTok in the elevator on the train while I'm yeah. walking sometimes. Like it's but it's a little maniacal telling to somebody who didn't grow up like this. But this is things that like everybody my age does. Like if I if I'm not with somebody, if I'm alone and I'm doing my day-to-day stuff as a student, I'm consuming content probably 90% of the time while I'm doing something else as like my passive thing, whether it's music or bill or another pod or YouTube video sometimes. Like I always have something else going while I'm doing my my work. Really the only thing I can't do with a with another stimulus is writing. Writing I, I tend that I need to actually like zero in on this but if i'm doing like my graphic design work if i'm walking somewhere if i'm cooking or doing something you know i'm gonna listen to something else and i'm or i'm gonna scroll through something else and it's again it's just funny that the ringer is not often in those feeds no and and it has gotten progressively more intense with the content because what when you were saying that that reminded me so i i used to write columns for my school newspaper and i i remember writing something and this was like a decade ago about how i was getting annoyed seeing people pull out their phones in the elevator like that was something that was and it wasn't just me but the kind of the idea was this is starting to become a little bit annoying when people can't even ride in an elevator without pulling out their phone now of course 10 years later everybody is but, but that just speaks to the progression. And so ultimately, what, The Ringer started in 2016? So, yeah, we, we weren't fully there. And, and I would even go with Simmons. Like, if we think back to he was an early adopter of a lot of stuff. He was an early adopter of Twitter. This guy, the reason that Bill Sim- – because you look at Bill Simmons' followers on Twitter, right? Yeah, he's got a, he's oh, a ton. He's yeah. got a ton of followers. Why does Bill have so many followers? Because he fucking embraced this thing early – and some of the tweets are still up and they're hilarious to look back on, but he embraced this thing. He got on it. I, I remember him egging buddies on that came on the podcast, maybe even celebrities too, to actually go and start Twitters. And, 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 and the, I mean, and Bill Simmons, I, I, I mean, I was younger at the time, but the reason that I got a Twitter in the first place was to legitimately only follow Bill Simmons because I loved the guy on podcasts and columns. And I was like, I got to get on here because ultimately I'm going to miss his commentary if not on there. So, you know, probably a lot of his followers are people like me who that, you know, that account that I first followed him with. I've got no idea about that um, all these years later, but an early adopter of that and and kind of like we're, we're, we're not sitting here, you know, trying to blast him. What we're saying is that there are proven ways to improve the growth strategy and they're not doing it. And so maybe, maybe to move on here, 
Um, you have outlined with some data, and I always love on this podcast if we have data to give the listeners. Um, the Ringer's not doing so hot versus its contemporaries. Yeah, so very, very cursory data that I have here. But I, I listed like seven accounts, and I have their followers. And then I have – so I pulled this data from Social Blade, and it's they have a, an, a tab called Media Uploads, which is like it shows your posts – and like my issue is I don't know if it's in the past year, but it's definitely in like a set time frame. It might be in the past six months. I have to go back and do the data. But the important fact is that it's in a set time frame for each of these accounts. Bleacher Report, 22 million followers, 13,000 <laughs> uploads. 13,000 uploads. That's the key one. House of Highlights, 51 million followers, also 13,000 uploads. Barstool Sports, 16 million followers, 10,000 uploads. The Score, 2 million followers, 13,000 uploads again. ESPN, 9,000 uploads with 26 million followers. SportsCenter, 16,000 uploads with 38 million followers. And like, here's here's the, the home run, but the ringer has 220,000. So that's way less than a million. Like all these other accounts are way in the tens of millions. The ringer is like still creeping up on 300,000. And they also have 6,000 uploads. So to re repeat that from earlier, all of the other accounts, 9,000 or more uploads in this period of time. The ringer, 6,000. And that's half of Bleacher Report. That's half of House of Highlights. That's almost half of Barstool. And it's 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 funny. Like it's just funny that they are not doing this. Like if you, it's not some some conspiracy that we're saying this. Like all, all there, you go look at the feeds. Like this is what what's happening. That's rough. I mean, and yeah, those are the cold hard facts. Now for something yeah. more qualitative, I mean, I I spend most of my social media time on Twitter, but I have noticed that the interaction with the tweets is is almost nothing yeah i mean so, i would guarantee yeah, so you gotta do like, a better job of, of um of having more engaging tweets yeah you're talking about bill's tweets right or the ringer ones the ringer's tweets the ringer ones okay so bills i've noticed are pretty good with the engagement but could be a lot better and are not reflective of like the two million followers or how many million followers he has because a lot of his followers are not active anymore and are not actually following him anymore but uh yeah the ringer like just there's nothing going on here they tend to post like every single article on twitter which is good i mean like they're giving their writers some shine and but when the feed is not mixed with other things it just gets yes. diluted by all these articles and all these podcasts like i'm scrolling through right now it's article 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 here's a pod article 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 here's a clip from a pod oh wow and then we've got oh, some fan duel promotion in here. Like it's really, there's no content that's like, oh, let me just cl quickly watch this. And so it's always them promoting something else. It's never like surface level NBA content that's made to get you hooked. I mean, how, how can they even call them? How can, how can you even do this? Seven hours ago, article about uh, MMA, four likes, one comment, no retweets. <laughs> they have 450,000 followers. Oh my god! I mean, what, yeah, look, what's I'm going on here right now? And it's got thirty-one thousand views, which I'll tell you is a lot considering they have four likes. So people are like seeing this and following this account. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's look, not not to toot my own horn, but I, I mean, I get if I get a tweet with a thousand views, I'm probably getting more than four likes. I would say, <laughs> yes, you will most likely. <sighs> that's tough. Yeah. So even so, like ten hours. Well, people won't know, but. Yeah, so True Detective that that was a that was one that got a lot forty four likes, seven retweets for them, forty two thousand views. So it's not like it was much uh much more. But that's what I was saying earlier. I mean, True Detective they should have been the Ringer has been one of the the companies that has focused 
as much as anybody else on prestige TV. And it, I mean, they, they have the HBO weeks, they get obsessed with game of Thrones and all that stuff. You, you should be on top of, okay, for the next two days, people are going to be talking about the show for better or for worse. We're going to be the top social media account talking about it. And they just missed that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned Bleacher Report earlier, but they are the gold standard for this type of content. And like the, it's like the surface level NBA coverage. Bleacher Report obviously produces a ton of their own original content, written work, live shows, podcasts, all that other stuff. But their social media is not that. Like it's, it's very Bleacher Report adjacent content where they're covering the NBA, covering the NFL, covering the MLB sometimes, and just covering culture, covering like memes and whatever's going on in like the digital world. Look, every day there's a new topic every day there's a new meme every day there's a new trend every day there's a new celebrity saying stupid shit like they're covering all of it so and like the ringers not covering it the ringers covering themselves and as we were talking earlier i have another note that i didn't put on our our notes prior to this but elon musk has openly came out and said tweets with links are not my priority tweets with links are going to the bottom of the algorithm tweets with links are not good because Elon, obviously, like every other social media company, wants to keep your attention in Twitter. So if you are posting a link to another site, he's not going to prioritize that tweet. And what companies, including the Strickland, have started doing is just post the image or the video or something and then link the article in a reply. And you will see significant growth. And look, this is just like a weird Twitter slash X slash Elon quirk. And these things just pop up. They go away. This the scene changes so much. And you need to have people on your staff that are like, I don't want to be like young people, the only people that can do this, because there are a lot of old people that are totally in tune with this too. But generally, young people know what's going on and they know how fast these mediums change. And like two years ago, like the Instagram content scene looked completely different. And like things that were being prioritized in the algorithm are no longer being prioritized today. And you learn what's what works and what doesn't by doing it. And you learn by seeing what performs well, what doesn't perform well. And if you're not even like trying and failing, then you're never going to succeed. So. Yeah. I'm looking at another one here as you were talking. So the ringer retweets the watch podcast with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Um, So they talked about the, the finale of true detective night country. Now I think this is the second podcast about at least it's at least a second podcast covering True Detective, because I think the Prestige podcast did too. So they retweet this. So now I go to the watches page, and you just you just mentioned it. the The links isn't isn't working well. The only thing on the watches page, their only tweets, are tweets every four days about each episode, linking to the episode. Yeah. So it's it's literally only the episode. How are they not? You're telling me you can't put some video on here? You can't do some memes? I mean, you can't live tweet like anything. You can't like have any commentary during the day, like something else just to mix it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, there. There could be improvement. There could definitely be improvement. But um, all right. So let's see here. You know, I, can I can I share one? I want to share one anecdote because you were you were talking about the college experience and stuff that you're doing, and I have one story that I think will resonate with your audience more than it would like my friends or anybody who listens to me on the Strickland pods. But um, look, I go to NYU now, and I'm a senior now, which means that I started my college experience in the COVID pandemic, and I started like mm-hmm. my, my freshman year was in 2021, 
right at the or late 2020, early 2021. It's like right at the peak of all this this mess. And if anybody remembers the news, like NYU was kind of the most restrictive school in terms of COVID regulations, in terms of co- like who's allowed to go where, what buildings you're allowed to enter. And as a freshman, you're required to live in the dorms. So I was living in the dorms in early 2021, January is when I moved in. And, you know, I, I, uh, a lot of students went through the same experience and we were very, very online and very, very not in person. And all of our interactions either came in like spaces like the elevator or they came online. Like that's where most of them came. And I've noticed that our class and the class below us who also started in the pandemic are way worse than the the two latest classes. So that would be like the freshmen and sophomores of today. If I, if I go into a classroom, like, and like, let's say the teacher's late and there's 15 kids in there just sitting waiting for the teacher, which is a very common college experience. The odds that people are talking to each other are very low. I mm. promise you, you go in there, everybody in there is on their phone with headphones on or with AirPods in or whatever, scrolling on TikTok, scrolling on Twitter. Look, I, I'm one of them. Like, I, I'm not trying to like yell at my, my classmates. I, I do this. And it's because like, I, I definitely want to attribute some of this to COVID, but it's also a generational thing. Like we would have been here COVID or not doing this, in my opinion. Definitely it's worse with my class and the class below me. But it's, uh, I told that to my parents and they were like, what do you mean? You don't talk to anybody in your class. What do you mean? Like you don't talk like, when, there's, when there's a professor not in the room, you're not throwing paper planes across the room and yelling and doing all that shit. Like, no, we're just on our phones all day. And it just speaks to like how important these mediums are, these short form mediums are, these tweets are, these Instagram posts People my age consume hundreds, if not thousands of these posts per day. So there might be somebody at the ringer office who was like, oh, well, we don't want to post too much. We don't want to, we don't want to <laughs> oversaturate the feed. Dude, we consume so much of this content. You have no idea. Anybody who's over the age of 30 has no idea how much content a 20 year old consumes on a regular basis. And I think that is like the ultimate issue is like the conflict of school of thought or they just don't get how much people consume these days. And listen, those numbers are only going to go up. Like when I say I consume hundreds of thousands, it's going to be like consistently in the thousands very soon if it isn't already. So yeah, that's the one last thing I wanted to share on social media, at least. No, I, I love that, man. That's great. Now, should we, because as you were saying that, I was thinking to, this is such a Derek Thompson type. Yes. Topic. So that's funny. I, I had mentioned, I should have mentioned it earlier. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? I had a whole Derek Thompson thing. I try to, it's like now escaping me. What were you going to mention? Well, so Derek Thompson had a, had a tweet that, that made the, the, not made the rounds, but it, he had a tweet that got a lot of play in the Bill Simmons subreddit. And now for, for the listeners, we're transitioning to Bill Simmons current events here. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed another edition of advice for the ringer and maybe, They'll follow more of it. But um, if you liked that episode, or if you liked that part, definitely go back and listen to um, Zach's first episode, which I'll link to in the description. But yeah, so for Derek Thompson, so he he's on the pod um, last week, I think. And people, I think a lot of Bill Simmons fans are increasingly listening to Derek. They like Derek a lot. Maybe they won't listen to every episode, but the promise of his podcast is that he's bringing on interesting people to talk about interesting topics and kind of letting them go as opposed to himself taking a view. And then when he goes on Bill's podcast, he kind of tells him about the most interesting 
things that he's heard on his podcast. So I, I think it's good radio for the most part. And I, I think it's awesome. I really love yeah, that pod and I love the last on, one. And I think Derek is really great. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you were a big fan of that last pod. I was. And, and you, you were saying that basically there's a good, you like the dynamic between Bill and Derek. Yes, I think this was like, well, not the first, but it's a rare occurrence where like, we talk about it all the time on this pod, but Bill likes to be the smartest person in the room. He really likes to lead the conversation and be the one enlightening somebody else on things. It's just how his pod works. It's, he's good at doing that. It's like, I will give him respect for that. But on this Derek Thompson pod, it felt like one of those rare occurrences where Derek is teaching Bill. And listen, Bill had these kind of like, Reminds me of like my parents, but he has these like boomer reactions to all these like technology things. And as somebody who's like my age, hearing what he thought is like, well, you're you're on the right track, Bill, but you don't really get it at all, actually. And no matter how he presents it, it's it's just it was very funny to hear him in that context after he's such a know-it-all in most of the sports pods. Yeah, Bill's interesting like that, where he he has a certain reverence for his ideas, guys. So he, he always had it for Gladwell, although they did kind of like having the dueling banjos thing way back when. So this is when he was writing in the early 2000s, the, him and Gladwell would go back and forth. But I think Bill always knew that like Gladwell was the more intellectual guy, but Bill knew sports better and pop culture better. So it was kind of a fun mashup. And then certainly with Klosterman, when Bill has him on, um, I don't even think Bill tries to match wits with this guy anymore because he knows chuck can talk circles around him if, if need be but yeah for for derek bill at least and whether he's doing it for the audience and to improve the podcast or not it's just a fun sort of kind of talk to me about these themes that you're hearing and he actually kind of lets lets derek talk which he doesn't always do with his guests as well and and i would say the same thing for the matt bellany pod so he, I, I think bill kind of views and it, there's a theme here, obviously, too, which is both pods are very successful out, for the ringer outside of Bill's pod. But you bring on Derek for the ideas guy, and Bill's happy to hear the ideas. And then Bill brings on Bellany every once in a while for the streaming landscape. And that's just such a meaty topic. I do it a lot in this pod. Yep. Bill loves that as well. And so to me, like that, the dynamic that you have described, I, I think that is is one of the the better things that Bill does today. But I would also say this was the dynamic that this guy had when he started the pod, when he was a interested party asking good questions to smart people. And, I, and a big reason why I've criticized the guy so much like I do today is he shifted from that dynamic that we were just talking about here, being an interested party, asking good questions, to let me hear myself talk. I need to be the smartest guy in the room. I think that's perfectly put. And – I'm sorry, but I don't need to hear a pod with the smartest guy in the room every time. So, yeah. yeah, I think the more guests he's having on that can make him not feel like he needs to be that be that way, uh, the better. I would also assume that's easier on Bill. But um, before we move on from this, I had one – the thing that escaped me with the Derek Thompson pod earlier. I, I remembered what I wanted to say earlier. So Derek had – did the last – the last question Bill had was like, let's talk about sports. What's the future of sports? And this is a great segment. I would recommend going back and listening if you didn't. But Derek talked about his NBA consumption lately, and yes. he was he was he was pretty spot on with what I think is happening. But I think it's different for people my age. So Derek had mentioned that 
He's like, listen, I've only watched like 40 minutes of the NBA or 50, I don't know, 50 minutes, of the, some small number of the NBA this year. But I have listened to all of your pods and listened to all of Ryan's pods. And that's my NBA conception. And, you know, when the playoffs come around, I'll know what's going on and I'll tap back in. And like, listen, he was spot on. Like, I promise you, there are a lot of people Derek's age, younger than Derek, older than Derek, that do that. I mean, I sometimes I watch every Knicks game, but I catch myself doing that with a lot of the broader NBA. And I think he's spot on with the pods. But when you go to the younger, the younger audience, and when you go to like ages 13 to 19, really, because I didn't get into pods until I was 20, really. That's not just that's just me, obviously. There are kids that are younger than me that get listen to podcasts, but that teen audience. They're not watching the live NBA games either. They don't have league pass. They they might watch a TNT game here and there. They might listen those West Coast games. Like people are watching every Laker game on the East Coast. Like just they just aren't. But Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, PMT, all these other entities are going to cover the Lakers extensively. Some people will call Bleacher Report LeBron Report because <laughs> all they do is post about LeBron. They just post constant Lakers content all day. And ESPN Sports Center, they do the same thing. I mean, it's like LeBron gets you engagement. LeBron is engagement gold. And it's no surprise that like people are calling them LeBron reporter because they love reporting every move that LeBron does. But uh, that's like, just a whole broader thing. I think Derek Thompson was spot on with like how older people tend to listen to pods. And, like that's their whole NBA consumption. But for the younger audience, it's not podcasts. It's the short form content. Okay, so I, I have a comment and then a question for you. So the comment is that what you just said reminded me of, and I tweeted this the other week, I was listening to a old Rosillo and Bill pod just doing some chores around the house. And I was, I was curious of their dynamic. Yeah, I was curious of their dynamic way back when just compared to what these pods would be. So this is like 2013. And they were joking about how, because they were both at ESPN at the time, and they were joking about how both of them were trying to get on ESPN like Sports Center with tweets about the games. So they were like, oh, like so some like C-level celebrity is having some excited tweet about the Clippers winning. And Bill's like, man, I should have been on there. Like, I gotta up my game um and get on the the, the ESPN doing that. So and it was a funny segment. I, I retweeted. I tweeted it for people who were interested in it. But what when you were saying that, it reminded me of it because, like, they they could be doing that now, where like Bill has some wonky tweet, and then you just use that to be uh be promoting this stuff. Like it it doesn't just have to be on Twitter. He can have something funny, and then you just throw that to, Dude, to everything yeah, else. But, yeah. Here's the most basic formula. Step one. This is the easiest box they can check. Bill tweets about the NBA almost daily. Oh, yeah. During, during the that. NBA, he tweets about what's happening almost daily. So I'm gonna I want to just find like the most recent Bill NBA tweet. It sucks that we're on the all-star break, so I might have to scroll like a couple a couple days. But he has a tweet. Oh, what a shocking Bucks loss on February 15th. That was a huge Bucks loss on the 15th. All the ringer has to do. Get a picture from the game, a a frame from a from the game. Just get a screenshot from the game. Put Bill's tweet in front of the screenshot on your Instagram, and then in the next slide on the carousel, put a video from the game. That's it. That's all you need. It takes, that, yeah. It's very easy. Not only will that promote Bill, it'll promote the Ringer. It'll promote the Ringer social media. It'll promote his pod. It'll promote again. It feeds into itself, and look, that takes it takes you five minutes to get a tweet to instagram in that format and the fact that they're not doing it it's it's shocking 
I love that. The the question I was going to ask you is, so how do you, how do you think the new NBA deal should be appealing to the younger demographic? This is a huge question, and I'm sure it's a question that Adam Silver is losing sleep over right now. But I did read somewhere, I think it's the Athletic, that this is going to be the first TV deal where the streaming rights and the broadcast rights are going to be distributed separately. I'm not sure if that's 100% correct. I know that there's there are other deals in place where, where they may have like renegotiated things to make sure that that's how it works. But I believe the streaming rights are going to be a completely separate package to the broadcast TV rights. And I think those streaming rights need to go somewhere where the young people really exist. Mm. And I think that has to be YouTube. I think the NFL just did it. I mentioned this in the last pod also, but the NFL uh, Sunday ticket experience on YouTube is as perfect as it gets for a league official streaming experience. I'm a League Pass subscriber. I watch League Pass on my laptop very often. I watch it on the phone. I watch it on the Apple TV. I watch it on my PS5 sometimes, which isn't the greatest application ever. The NBA League Pass experience is nowhere near the NFL Sunday ticket on Reds or on YouTube experience. I go to the YouTube app anywhere, uh, anywhere I have it, whether that's my phone, my computer, my Apple TV in the living room. I open the YouTube app. If there's an NFL game on, it is the first thing there. All I have to do is hit OK. All I have to do is click the first thing. I don't have to scroll. I don't have to go to another tab. I don't have to go to a new page. I don't have to search for the NFL. They are pushing the NFL to me because they know I'm a subscriber and they know I want to watch that. If the NBA does that, if the NBA has somewhere where they integrate League Pass into YouTube and they put the NBA games on your YouTube feed like the NFL does, they are going to have kids watching the games live. And that doesn't happen right now. So we'll see. Okay. I, yeah, I like that. And I'm, uh, it's curious you mentioned that because I was listening to the Adam Silver, Pat McAfee conversation. And I need to check that out. I missed it. I need, I need to look at that. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, I heard, I heard it was awesome. And he did. So Silver did mention uh, Amazon and um, NBC, which I think are, are, are contending. I think the, the two of them plus existing ESPN and uh, TNT are, are probably the four that would get it at least right now. But he did mention he did specifically mention YouTube a couple times. And yes. I thought that was really interesting. Clearly, they have been seeing significant success growing YouTube sub YouTube TV subs. I think they've got eight million. So they're going to be I think. I think they're they're soon going to be the number three they're going to pass direct tv and they're going to be the number three video distributor in the u.s wow. behind the two big cable companies so they're starting to get some heft and they're clearly in this for a long-term investment so yeah if they wanted to put something together to to get that younger demo i think that would be a great call yeah i also i believe i don't i'm not a so i am a league pass subscriber but i'm not a youtube tv subscriber i do believe there's a way to integrate league pass into your youtube tv like if you have youtube tv and you bought league pass or i think you can buy league pass through youtube tv i should have dusted up my knowledge on this before i came on here but there i do believe that there is a there is some level of integration between nba and youtube currently it is not to the extent of the nfl sunday ticket program they are not like advertising themselves as the exclusive partner of the nfl of the nba that's not how it works yet 
But I will say that Adam Silver definitely values YouTube as just a platform in general. And I'm sure he knows how valuable it could be as an exclusive partner. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. So some additional uh, Bill Simmons current events here. I think we have to touch on the fact that it's Monday after the All-Star weekend. Everybody's waiting for that Rosillo Bill, Bill pod drop. Great. Cousin Sal pods. We had those on our Sundays. Now we smoothly transition. We get Rosillo. The NBA heads are pumped. Now they get Sunday night NBA pod as well. Can't and wait. what happens? Not we- only is there not a Bill Simmons podcast on Sunday night, Rosillo does a two-hour appearance, including the NBA preview, on part of my take, which I tweeted out and said, this is going to drive people to part of my take that have never listened to the show before because they want to hear Rosillo talk NBA, and you are an example of someone who did just that. I promise you, I did not even see that tweet that you're talking about. I did not see anybody talking about this. But listen, I'm a Rosillo fan. I I am definitely a Bill and Rosillo fan like them as a duo. And I was, again, you mentioned it, looking forward to the Monday episode post-All-Star break. I was looking forward to Bill like shitting on the dunk contest and shitting on all the All-Star events that just like, you know, it it wasn't a home run All-Star weekend by any means. And I'm sure Bill and Rosillo had their thoughts on it. But instead, we get this Rusillo hour and a half. Apparently, it was recorded like a week and a half before this. Apparently, they've been sitting on this for a while because it was definitely recorded pre-trade deadline because they were talking about the Knicks and not talking about the trades they had made. So that happened. And listen, I don't – I listen. I know about Barstool. I follow their socials, but I don't listen to the Barstool pods. I have never, until yesterday, listened to part of my take. I've never listened to their other podcasts. I kind of think they're a little – I'm an NBA guy. I'm a basketball guy. They're football guys. That's just how I see most of the Barstool yeah. people. And listen, I like football. I'm not a hater of any of that stuff. It's just I am more of an NBA guy first, and that's just why I listen to Bill and Rosillo first because they're also NBA guys. But I saw Rosillo on there, and I was like, you know what? I'll give these guys a shot, just like you tweeted about before. And you know what? I really enjoyed that episode. It was the NBA preview. I was kind of expecting Rosillo to like do a whole Rosillo thing, and I was pleasantly surprised that it was not very NBA centric. I mean, how long was it? it was like an hour, 30 minutes, hour, 45 minute segment. I think he did. I would say 20 minutes of it. were about the NBA. Like <laughs> he, and like all of the NBA discourse was like, Oh yeah, this sucks. We're football guys. So who's winning the championship. And like, they would just like shit on the, NBA. I mean, listen, it's funny to hear people talk about the NBA and this, like I had never, I had never actually listened to like NFL fans talk about the NBA like this. They're also NBA fans, too. They're not NBA haters, but they were like, hey, the regular season is fun, but we all know it's going to be four teams in like in May that are only matter, and all this stuff doesn't really matter right now. And Rusillo admitted it. Like, Rusillo's the one who's cr- – like, oh, my God. I'm get getting ahead of myself. But Rusillo's the one who's crunching Hornets games from the yacht that he has docked in Malibu, which he mentioned on that pod. And uh, he knows it doesn't matter. And it was fun to see Rusillo kind of come back to earth and be like, yeah, guys, it's fun, but it doesn't matter. And he told a lot of great stories. He told some stories about high school. He told some stories about Vermont. He told some stories about the yacht that he bought and how he's still single at like in his 40s, living on a yacht, watching like Hornets games on Tuesday nights. I don't know. I thought Russillo shined through. Um, some of the replies on the um, PMT tweets, because PMT, oh, believe it or not, PMT was posting clips from that pod 
with a high res video with captions. Shocker. I know. I, I had actually never seen Russillo in such crisp definition on the uh, PMT clips. But in those replies, you can see a lot of the PMT regulars were like, hey, Russillo was fucking awesome. Bring him on more. He's the perfect guest. And I'm sure you thought about this. You talked about this on the pod, but I, it made me think about why is Russillo not just working for Barstool? Yep. So I yep. think Barstool could reproduce him better. I think Barstool could do all that. Sh- they clearly could do all that short form stuff for him. They're producing way more. I would just say Barstool as an entity is on a way more steady curve up than the ringer is. I would, I don't know if the ringer is going down, but it's certainly not going up as fast as Barstool is right now. So it makes you think, it makes you think why is Russillo with the ringer? How long will he be there? Has he thought about Barstool? Did he deliberately do this episode on this day because he knew Bill wasn't going to post it? Is this a leverage play by Russillo or, or I, should I take my tinfoil hat off? I don't know. What do you think? Well, so I, I listened to, I don't listen, really listen to part of my take either, although maybe that will change, but I think they had a uh, Chris Berman on and I was listening to that episode because like I, I, when I was growing up, Chris Berman was like the big NFL guy for ESPN. So, you know, that's kind of a fun, uh, he was the face of ESPN for a while, I feel like, and, um, those guys love him. So it was a fun interview, but during that show, I think they mentioned how they recorded with Rosillo during Super Bowl week, which I mm-hmm. think lines up with the NBA trade deadline because, yes. yeah, because Bill is Bill is mad that they're both that Bill is the only person in the yeah. country in the world that was mad that the NBA trade day, deadline was during Super Bowl. Bill week. was like the he's the old man yelling at cloud meme. Un- unbelievable. So yeah, so I think they recorded during Super Bowl week, which again speaks to kind of the hustle and the drive. Okay. Rosillo's going down to Vegas to or up. I don't know. I don't know the geographics, but um, where he lives. But yeah, so Rosillo's going to Vegas and he's doing uh, content there. Also doing part of my take content. And now Rosillo, I mean, you think, okay, so Rosillo took an hour and a half out of his time in Vegas to record this. That's a pretty big commitment from him. I don't know if he's getting a monetary thing or not, but ultimately this is good for the brand of Rosillo in the future. And so that's why I, yeah, that's why I've been increasingly talking about whether it just makes sense to officially have Rosillo at, at Barstool. Now in the previous show, the guest was saying that he doesn't necessarily know if Barstool can afford Ryan, which on one hand, I guess I kind of get, but then on the other hand, if you like, if you have the the data for how much this guy is making in terms of revenue, you have the you have the listens, so you can have a pretty good approximation. You just say, okay, we'll pay you around that, and then we think we can make margin because we're plugging you into all these different barstool pods, and then you're becoming more popular. So, I I think there's a way for both Rosillo to make a lot of money still, and also Barstool come away with some benefit from the deal. So I think it. I think it's possible. I think it's entirely possible. I think it all comes up to like money. That is the bottom line. Russillo does this for the money. Talks about it. Talks about how much he values his yacht and his properties, and all that stuff. And if the checks are clear enough, the ringer, I can't see him leaving. But hey, if Barstool's got the money, I have no idea how their finances look. But it's definitely worth offering. I mean, the, Barstool clearly has the money to keep part of my take, which is one of the which is a more successful podcast than Russillo. And it's two people, not just one. So 
yeah, I'm I'm kind of hard pressed to think that he couldn't get in there at some point, but but I guess we'll see. And then, um, yeah. So speaking of podcasts again, one of the final things to hit here, um, yeah. So I mentioned this last episode. No live BS pods. What the hell is going on? I have no idea. I am one of the. I mean, maybe it's not few, but I am one of the small group of people who would absolutely buy tickets to go see Bill and Russillo shoot the shit at like Irving Plaza if they came to New York, which I think they did do once, but it was in my earlier career as a Simmons fan, so I didn't really go. But yeah, did you, not, they, did you not go to the Russillo? I didn't. Live I didn't go to that. I wish I did. I it, that was a little too early in my Russillo career. I I didn't. I wasn't that in the loop with him at the time, so I was like, oh shit, I I, I missed it. But if they came back around, I would. So. And like you have to assume, like these are money makers, right? You have to assume these tickets sell. People go, people buy merch, people buy drinks, people buy whatever they have there. And it seems like Bill enjoys doing them. You're able to produce high level content for your social media at these events. You can kill two birds with one stone that way. You also just like get yourself out in the field. You see the audience. You can talk to people, and it just seems fun. And he does them for the rewatchables, so it doesn't make sense that it, the BS pod just doesn't do this. No, and, and the reason that I said last time was because maybe it's just more difficult to find guests and whatnot. But but yeah, like you said, I mean, he could just have Rosillo. Bill and Rosillo doing a podcast together in any top 25 metro yeah. is sold out. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're just being humble and they don't want to like announce a world tour, but they can. I mean, like comedians go on tours that are like way smaller than them. And they do shows in person that shows online. So I don't understand why they can't. Well, and they could do that. And then, man, I mean, so, okay. So via the, via the connections of Rosillo and Bill, even just NBA, but just in general, people would go, there would be, there would be guests on those shows. Obviously Rosillo had the Chris Paul as a guest that, that one time, maybe the, yeah, the New York city one. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that. yeah these are, these are options here. You don't, you don't need to just do, rewatchables and and i've said i'm offended as a bs pod listener because i don't listen to the rewatchables so Neither i mean I. I, I would certainly i i you know even though even though i hate on bill a lot in these days i'd probably buy a ticket to see bill do a live bs pod i would absolutely buy a ticket to see a bill live bs pod i don't even care where the guest is i don't care if it's rusillo it would just be it would be funny like being in spaces with other bill fans is, is hilarious this is why i love this little community that you've carved out for yourself on Twitter and for everybody like kind of shares the same opinions of Bill. Like we all love him. Like we all wish he was better, but it's uh, it's, I'm very glad to be able to meet and connect with people who share these same opinions as me. And in-person events are the, a way to do that very easily. And it sucks that they don't have any. Oh, a hundred percent. And you would immediately like the guy, the guy that I talked to at the uh, Rosillo live show, he's like, yeah, immediately. I, I go in line and people are talking fake trades and NBA. <laughs> it's like you just go right into it because you all have the same perspective. You yeah, like, there's a lot of common ground. Really, yeah. is when you go over there. So yeah, I wish they did. I, lo- I love that. Like he's like people are talking fake <laughs> trades. Like that's perfect. That's so, so good. Funny. I mean, it, it's a it's a small um, preview of what I, I do on this pod having uh, having people on, but. Yeah, man. Do we do we need to hit on any other current events, or do we think we basically covered it? I think we got through everything. I mean, I had a note in here about Bill not getting NBA player guests in general, and like a lot of other. Oh hosts yes, are. yeah. Let's finish up on this one. Yeah, yeah. So like JJ Redick has an NBA player on like every week, 
Pat McAfee, like he's an NFL guy first, but now that the NFL's over, he had Halliburton on like the first week after that happened. All these other big hosts. I mean, I'm not sure what PMT is doing, but NBA players are gettable for pods. Like you just talk to their agency, they'll they'll come on for money. And those pods do well. Those clips do well. It's a good moment for whoever the host is. And Bill gets none of them. When was the last time Bill had an NBA player on? I don't know. Jalen Green? Jalen Green. After he said fuck Jalen Green? <laughs> I actually had no idea he had Jalen Green on the pod after that. That's hilarious. But yeah, it just it, it would be funny if he interviewed people who are like actually in the field and people who were maybe not ringer adjacent or ringer affiliated, like you know, some more out there. I mean, he had low on recently, which was pretty cool, but that was it. So yeah, and so I, I totally agree with you, and, and this is definitely something I've I've noticed because I think there's a, a number of things going into this where it, it really struck me listening to McAfee interview. Silver and Halliburton because I'm just doing this. I'm like, this is a banger interview by McAfee. He perfectly asked him questions, let him talk, didn't really interrupt him, um, but would, would have like, he had his first couple questions about state of the league TV rights. Obviously want to hear about that. Then talked about, Hey, we need to transition to the on-court product. Of course we do after a 15 minute conversation about media rights. And then, he asked in a fair way, in a respectable way, but also mentioned, hey, this rest situation, I don't want to pay to go to a game. And then five minutes before the game starts, somebody's announced that they're not playing. So he had that. So he wasn't going totally soft, but he was saying how, look, we understand that ultimately everything you're doing for the game is to better the game. And so the, the, the basic question was, is this current 65 game rule? appropriate it doesn't need to be tweaked but that's sort of the the nuanced question asked in a in a good light that i'm not so sure that bill can even execute these days so if i'm these players i'm looking at pat doing his interviews obviously i'm looking at jj and he's got the recent player connection plus he is a good interviewer i'm looking at those two guys obviously you know podcast p whatever so why would i want to go on bill's pod because you got this biased, biased guy with crazy takes, and you don't know if he's going to set you up poorly for a soundbite and make you look bad. I don't know if Bill wants the guys on. He probably doesn't because it would it would be more work for him. But if I'm an NBA player, if I'm an agent, I'm going like, look, man, the last big pod Bill did with, with big M- NBA guys was Kevin Durant. That was universally panned. And since then, Bill's done done not too much at all. I'd recommend going on JJ, going on McAfee yeah, yep. and, you know, whether it's the agent or not, or whether it's the booking and, uh, you know, who, who, who knows exactly how these things get on. But ultimately, I mean, I'd rather go on Rosillo's pod than I would Bill's pod, even though yeah. Rosillo is a little bit less of a, um, it's downloaded less, it's still downloaded a lot, but Rosillo is going to give you a better interview these days than Bill Simmons. Is. So yeah. I think by the way, like perspectives, it's better. Yeah. And Russillo also gets these guests. Like, he actually does get player guests still. He just had, like, three NFL players on. He had Gronk on the other day. He had he had a rapper, Boz, on the other day, which is, like, a totally cool, in like, culture celebrity way that he, like, Bill would never have on. And, yeah, I mean, like, Russillo gets these guests because he does the work. He's not going to, like, set these celebrities up to, like, get clipped and aggregated in a not great manner. And, yeah, I mean, I think 
the it all dwindles down to like Bill being like the smartest person in the room and wanting to command the conversation and wanting to like be in the spotlight when Russillo and JJ and Pat and you 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 go on this whole list of hosts are actually good interviewers and are willing to get down a couple steps on the ladder and let the guest shine. Yeah, and then the other thing is okay, so Russillo has on Aikman before the Super Bowl, and yeah. okay, it's a 30-minute interview. And he's talking for four minutes about his new beer. Okay, fine. Like we can, we're okay with it. If we really don't want to hear the new beer conversation, we can just skip. But Bill doesn't want to. St- Bill feels like he's above stooping to the level of giving Troy Aikman a couple minutes for a beer commercial. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. That's crazy. And it's like just get just get the guest, <laughs> yeah. man. Like you're not better than this. And at the end of the day, like you know, this is becoming a bigger topic lately. I've been tweeting about this recently. You know, Bill's making money on FanDuel and FanDuel parlays, and increasingly people are viewing sports gambling as, yeah, maybe it's not the best influence on uh, on anybody these days, but especially the young kids out there. And, um, you know, Bill Simmons, he's a big part of that. So if Bill Simmons is making money on FanDuel parlays, I'm sorry – you're not above giving a little bit of airtime to a celebrity who otherwise wouldn't do your podcast. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. You, you said it all. Yeah. But Hey, look, I'm, I'm an outsider. Bill Simmons obviously got his bag. I mean, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get the reviews. Oh, this guy hates everything Bill does. It's like, no, I'm, you know, we're long, we're long-term fans. We're rooting, we're rooting for him to do the best he can, but we're just giving him some, uh, some options here. So, Look, man, I'm pumped because obviously the last episode, I mean, we have gotten, whether it is a coincidence, whether he listened to it, whatever it is, after our last episode in late December, we have seen immediate traction of those ideas at the ringer. I'm very pumped to see what happens after this episode. I really hope something happens. That's all That's all I know. That's all I want. I just want steps in the right direction. The, the walk-in talks were a great step in the right direction, and I'd like to see more steps made as a Bill fan, as a Ringer fan, as an NBA fan. And most importantly, I'd like to see the Ringer Union come to a deal and a deal that is fair for all sides. Yeah, I I, th- I think this kind of stuff will happen. And then maybe to close it out, I'll, I'll say a couple things um, and let you say something. So num- number one is the new podcast art is you. I love it. I think it's, it it's incredible. I've gotten so many good – I mean people have DM'd me and messaged me and were like, damn, dude, like this looks fucking baller. So that was you. Huge thank you. And then you also had the – so the, the story of why I had – the story for the listeners out there, the story of why I've had two is because you originally sent me the art that I have today, yes. which I loved. But I got a bit nervous because I was like, oh, man, it is – there's some similarities to, to Bill's pod. And I was like, man, I hope he, he wouldn't, you know, do a cease and desist or something. So then we went with um, the other one. But then after I was thinking about it more and I changed the Twitter uh, picture to it, I was like, you know what? It's kind of like, it's kind of a win-win because if I go with it, it's such a great design that I'm going to love it. But then if I do get a cease and desist, it's a great story for content. <laughs> so I'm kind of like in the winners either way here, so that's why it made the change and so far so good. Yeah, he also like 
if, 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 if he did a cease and desist for the <laughs> podcast, which I don't think he'll do, you're still existing on Twitter. It's not like you're, you're a fucking fortune 500 company over here or something like we're just a fucking podcast. It's okay. So I'm yeah, glad how, you enjoy it. I'm glad the other people enjoy it. So yeah. How would he even contact me? The podcast? Yeah. He doesn't know yeah. who I am. <laughs> yes. You blocked on Twitter, right? <laughs> unless, unless he head of podcast monetization goes in and is like, well, actually, I don't even know if I've used my real name for. No, I haven't even used my name for this podcast, so I'm not even sure how you'd find it out. Um, maybe I'll sue me instead because I put my real name out there. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and then yeah, so that's the other thing. So yeah, so what's your current? Are you are you looking for? Are you still looking for employment post graduation in this field? Yes, I, I haven't officially like hard launched my job search yet. I'm working on like buttoning up my resume, putting the final finishing touches on my website and all my personal assets before I fully announce that I'm like looking for a full-time sports social media job. But I have experience with graphic design, social media management, podcast reproduction, everything I talked about. I've kind of, I, I love graphic design. It's like my strong suit. It's probably my best asset, but I, I know I have a knowledge of all of this type of stuff. And I'm looking for somewhere as like a permanent home, a full-time home and somewhere where I can help grow. Okay, so basically anybody who who has been listening to this, if you liked what you heard and have an opening for someone that could potentially do a lot of the things that, that you talked about, we what sends you follow you, sends you a DM. What's the yeah, best? Yeah, I mean Twitter and Instagram, it's the same thing. It's underscore Zach Bladder. I mean, the name is all there. It's all the same Twitter, Instagram, and all my other links are in those. So those are two two best places. Perfect. Okay, so for everybody who's um who's listening, well, uh, you know where to where to get into contact. But man, another another fantastic episode. I'm so pumped to, I'm so pumped to get this perspective out there because this this is absolutely something. I dude, I wouldn't even be thinking about this if it weren't for I, you. I'm glad because I think about this shit all fucking day as like consuming <laughs> my brain and like this is just like what I live and breathe. And I I have other pieces in the vault. I have so many things that I want to talk about in this space and this topic and i'm really glad i found somewhere where i can come on and actually get all my shit off so we're here yeah yeah this is great and, and, it's, and it's not just me i think that i think the vast majority of listeners are not thinking about this stuff so this is opening them up to an entirely new perspective on what things can be done to improve and frankly i think what what we're doing here i mean not to totally to our to our own horns crazily but this kind of this conversation between people with different perspectives, this is so important for like everything in life, not just the not just a random person talking about Bill Simmons. Like it we're in the point where the world is shifting so fast. If you are not keeping up with trends, you risk missing out. And I think we have shown over these two podcasts, the ringer has missed out on growth. This these are just the facts when we look at the numbers. So you know, we we can take this type of analysis and this changing of perspective and getting perspective from different people and apply that in other ways. So, yeah, man, I'm so pumped. This was a blast. I mean, the this went by so fast. I didn't even know that how, how long we um you wouldn't even have, have known how long we were going for. So um, he, huge thanks, man, for coming on again. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. man. I just I really appreciate the platform. I really appreciate you ask great questions. You follow up with the great things. And this is awesome. I'm looking forward to do more in the future. Appreciate that, man. Hey, you know, I'm I'm trying my best here. So and I'm a listener yeah. too, man. I'm a listener for every single episode since I fucking discovered you. So everything that. else has been that. great, by the way. I listened to the last one, the level four, all of them were great. So keep up what you're I doing over that. here.
Well, um, I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate the uh, fantastic insight and um, appreciate your time as always. So we'll, uh, we'll end it there. So hopefully the listeners uh, got a lot of great insight and we will see everybody around Twitter and around the subreddit. Cheers, everybody.